Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the CONCACAF Champions League Review Show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another special edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. This is the 2023 CONCACAF Champions League Review Show as we review the second leg semifinals of this past tournament, this past Tuesday and Wednesday. And, you know, you have to say this. There was a lot of things that I really was not expecting. There were a lot of things that I honestly did not think was going to happen. And you know what? The big surprise for me, and we will have Eugene Rapinski on to talk about this, I did not expect Tigris to fall the way they did. Now, obviously, this is Liga MX. Obviously, you know, you you expect these clubs to do the impossible. And I'm not saying I am questioning Tigris, but I was surprised to see how well Club Leon did in this one. Very shocked. Very surprised. That, my friends, is unbelievable. That, my friends, is something I could not believe I saw. And as you watched and watched, and then all of a sudden, you get Tigris and you're thinking to yourself, okay, they're going to do it in penalties. What happened? Club Leon does it again. You know, I admit... I've mocked them. I have. And with every reason to do so, because when you talk about these Liga MX teams down in Mexico, and when you tell me who are the big teams in Mexico, what they do, how they do it, who are the ones Who are the ones that you expect to go out there and really challenge? Not saying Tigris didn't do that, but at least you know the ones that, are, that want to be the top dogs in this confederation, international club tournaments, and to continue on the domination in club tournaments in this confederation. You would go with Guadalajara. You would go with Monterrey, Club America, Santos Laguna. You even got to give it to Pachuca. Maybe as well, Cruz Azul. Because to me, those are the clubs, along with Tigres, and even Pumas at a time, you would say, those are the clubs in Mexico that you believe are the ones to take the title away, or at least to win the championship, and take it away from 
fellow Mexican clubs or MLS clubs in its entirety. And all I can say is Club Leon shocked the hell out of me. They really did. And when you look at what we have seen in this tournament, we have seen some magical moments that we never expected. And we've seen some domination that we kind of knew was coming or we've seen some results that maybe question our uh, sanity. But without a doubt, without a doubt, this has been an amazing tournament at this point in time. And we have a final to get to. We still have a final to get to, folks. And that's going to be exciting as well. Now you look at the other side of the bracket. And you look at what LAFC has done. LAFC is made to become a threat to everyone. Not just in league play. Even though they haven't had... Tons of success in Open Cup play, but they probably will someday soon. Now they are a threat in international club competition. And this is the second time since qualifying for the CONCACAF Champions League that they have reached the final. And whether it be with Bob Bradley or with Steve Chirundolo, they've earned it. They have earned it, and they've got to be respected for it. And so all I can say is, is this. It does not matter. does not matter who the players are. Because when one goes, another one comes in. When one player closes the door, a new player comes in to open that door, and they announce themselves. Denny Bowanga has been unbelievable in this tournament. Danny Bowanga has been sensational. He has scored, I've never seen anyone score that many goals in a single CONCACAF Champions League tournament representing a major league soccer side, whether it be in the U.S. or Canada. When you consider powerhouse teams back in the day, like Real Salt Lake, when you consider those two Canadian teams in Montreal and Toronto, they've never had it this good. And when I say a powerhouse in Real Salt Lake, the shame of that club is that they've only won one MLS championship. When you had players like uh, Olave and Espinoza, and so many other players coming into that club, being run by Jason Christ at the time. You would have thought they would have had at least more than one championship under their belts. And the sad thing is this. They got to an Open Cup final, and they lost it to D.C. United, who was having a horrible year that year. A club like Real Salt Lake who went to the Open Cup final 
and lost to DC United, who were having a horrible MLS campaign. But when they were ready for the Open Cup, they went out and won a championship while having the worst league season in their lives. When you go to Real Salt Lake and they're taking care of business in the Champions League, and you're taking on a club like Monterrey, and you pull out a 2-2 draw away in Mexico, and then you come back to Rio Tinto Stadium, and it only took one goal, one goal by Monterrey, defeat Real Salt Lake on aggregate three goals to two. That was the biggest shocker ever. And you also have to say that was the biggest disappointment you've ever seen when you have a club like Real Salt Lake at that time that were dangerous and tough, and you had to hope and pray. Not only did you beat them at their place, but you could beat them at your place because they were that good back in the day. And now, now, LAFC, who had a trip to the finals against Tigris in Orlando when the coronavirus put a halt to the tournament at that time. And all I can, all I can say is, all I can say is, uh, is that LAFC has an opportunity now to be in the final again, which they have taken over, and they have a chance now. Unfortunately, it's not Tigris to get to gain revenge, but you know the way that Club America, excuse me, the way that Club Leon has performed in this Champions League tournament. Now, unlike what they were before, I think they're a little more dangerous, a little more unpredictable. And I think Steve Chirundolo is well aware of this, and I think he knows what he needs to do to get his club ready to go. It will be very important to make sure they get the necessary away goals in that first leg as they will go to Mexico on Wednesday, May 31st, and then come back to BMO Stadium in downtown Los Angeles to try and finish the job. Because right now, Club Leon is very unpredictable. And I will give them that. They have become unpredictable. But then again, the coach that they have right now, I really believe he has done a magical job coaching and managing his club and putting them in this position to get them their first ever, well, I don't know if it's their first ever, but at least in this modern age, excuse me, um, getting them their first championship, possibly, in inter- excuse me, international club competition. Sorry about that. But one thing is for sure, folks, 
this is going to be a very good competition, and it's going to be very, very difficult. You cannot take them lightly. cannot take them lightly at all. And we are going to see some great attacking soccer. Just remember, folks, this is not Tigris. This is not going to be a battle of revenge. But this will be a battle no matter what. It will be, once again, MLS versus Liga MX. Seattle Sounders did it last year. Pumas, they took a 2-2 draw down in Mexico and all of a sudden destroyed them 4-0, 3-4-0 at home at Lumen Field. And now it's up to LAFC to at least repeat the job to make sure that Major League Soccer has back-to-back CONCACAF Champions League titles. Because I'm telling you right now, folks, this situation, it's going to be a difficult one, but I know that LAFC is up for the challenge. And we all know that Club Leon will be up for the challenge as well. Before I begin uh, my interview with uh, my first guest tonight, I want to apologize to uh, my friends in Seattle. Uh, I, by accident, I mistakenly mispronounced Jordana's last name, and that was, of course, not my goal um, on my Open Cup review show. I did have, I admit, there was an issue with the audio, um, and I was trying to fix it, and if she was trying to correct me, I did not hear it. I, you know, when, whenever she did try to correct me, and I apologize about that, and I didn't mean to uh, mispronounce her name, it is pronounced Lesane. So I just want to say to Jordana Lesane, I apologize. Uh, there was no malice intent. I was just trying to uh, make sure I, I had the information correctly, and I did not, and that was unintentional. I was not trying to embarrass you in any way, and I just want to apologize to you for that. And I'm very, very sorry for the mispronunciation of your last name. Uh, but I thank you, as always, to be, uh, for coming on my show this past Monday to review the Open Cup victory for the Seattle Sounders against the San Diego Loyal. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to talk about that big match. Someone has to win, and unfortunately, someone has to lose. But we got to talk about it, and that is, of course, Mr. Matt Ralph from Philadelphia Soccer Now, as we are waiting for him to uh, join me here on the show to talk about the Philadelphia Union side of things. And uh, let's see if we have him on the line right now to talk about the Philadelphia Union. Matt, are you there? I am. How you doing? I'm doing all right, Matt. Um, you know, unfortunately... Uh, the Union fall again to LAFC at home. They uh, fall not only 3-0 on the scoreline in the second leg, but 4-1 in aggregate. What what were the things that that kind of questioned, in your mind, the situation that Jim Curtin uh, had his tactics and substitution patterns? Yeah, I mean, gosh, it feels like a long time ago now. <laughs> that game... Uh, yeah, no, it was, it was a tough night. Um, you know, you knew going into L.A. 
uh, it was going to be a tough game. You, you knew you had to score at least a goal, uh, and you wanted, you know, kind of hopeful that maybe they'd score two. Maybe we talked about that, um, and then and then advanced uh, advanced that way. But um, yeah, I mean, I think you know, obviously LAFC is a you know really strong team, and you know Jim says he didn't take a conservative approach, but it felt a little bit like the way that he subbed was maybe not as aggressive as you would have liked to have seen. Um, you know, certainly with Bizer getting that second yellow, that kind of made it really tough. And I think the score is deceptive because of that. Uh, you know, it's, it looks like 4-1, but, you know, there's two late goals after the Union were trying to push for another for a goal, and they were down to 10 men. It's a little bit of a deceptive scoreline. No, I understand that, and that's very true. Um, but you have to admit, Alejandro Bedoya, um, that early challenge that he created, uh, I mean, studs into the ankles, and I think he's lucky, very, very lucky, that Union were not down to 10 men very early in the game because that could have been a straight red. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought it was red myself. Um, I thought he got lucky <laughs> for sure. Uh, not getting sent off in that play. And you know, I don't know if it was, if that had an impact or just wasn't a good night for him, but definitely not the kind of performance you want to see or expect from Mali Bedoya. And that's uh, unfortunate because obviously he missed the final last year in LA and, you know, was really anxious and uh, to, to get a chance to play against them. And, uh, you know, it just wasn't, wasn't his night. And it, it, was, it was unfortunate. Yeah, very true. That was very unfortunate. I mean, I mean, Carranza's had a very good tournament. Gazdog's had a very good tournament. I uh, thought Michael Uru was, um, you know, very active in these games. Just it just seemed like there was snake bit in this second leg matchup. What, what did you see from your vantage point? Yeah, I mean, I think that you know the you know playing in LA and the atmosphere was was a challenge, you know, you're traveling cross country, you know, they didn't get there the day before they got, you know, kind of traveled ahead of time, but yeah, it's just, they, they had, they, they created chances you want them to create. I mean, there's, you know, God's dog has that beautiful dummy to set himself up. You kind of expect him to score that goal and McCarthy, you know, hats off to him. He makes, makes a little bit of a fingertip save to, to push that wide. And, you know, they, you sort of, you know, they, they created the chances that they needed to create and they just didn't finish. And you go back to the first leg where we talked about, you know, the chances they had there at home. And, you know, in the end, that's that's really what it came down to. I mean, it, I wouldn't say the, the Union had their best game, but they also, it's not like they played poorly either. I mean, they they were right there before the red card. Uh, they hung with LAFC and they still had a chance to, to find a way through. So, you know, it wasn't it's as disappointing as it is and as upset as, Union fans are. It's not like they got run out of the building or anything like that. I mean, LAFC fans will probably tell that story based on the aggregate scoreline, but <laughs> that would be a little bit of a stretch, I think. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I mean, look, Union were right there with it and uh, hanging on, and then of course, as you already said, the second yellow, then red on Mbizo. Uh, really changed things up for the union, and it gave the uh, gave LAFC those extra two goals. Did you feel 
uh, that I mean, look, I, I don't, I am not trying to question Jim Curtin. Obviously, I mean, uh, you, you do a great job of that anyway. Uh, <laughs> but um, because you cover the team more closely than I do, obviously. But if I can ask you this, he only had. I mean, obviously, everyone's got five subs, three substitution windows. Did you feel he should have at least made another? Sub or at least had two people sub in in the three in the three windows. Yeah, I definitely think uh, Ali saying on was a questionable call. Uh, he wasn't having his best night, and then you know for him to go ninety, he just didn't seem like he had the legs for it. And you know, it's just interesting. I mean, obviously you have to put Harry into that game. Um, I guess, well, you say, yes, you probably have to. Like, that's understandable. But, you know, why aren't you bringing Torres in sooner? And, of course, the big question is, why isn't Perea playing? Uh, You know, the guy has three goals on the year. Um, You know, he's he's looked good when he's been in, and he's not playing at all. Like, that's questionable. Uh, You know, we found out uh, today, I guess it was, that Lowe was supposed to start – uh, but he picked up a little bit of a knock in training, and so that one was explained because uh, I would have <laughs> I would have subbed low in too uh, on on set pieces. You know, he also has a goal this year. So um, yeah, I, I just it's not. I think it's just uh, puzzling that you have a guy like you brought in guys like Torres and Perea to sort of strengthen your midfield and your attack, and they're not playing and they have goals for four between them and, you know, Torres comes in for three minutes and, and Parade doesn't see the field in a game where they desperately need a goal. So, so that's, that's the, 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 the puzzling thing for me. And I think it leaves a little bit of a, you know, what's going on here kind of thing. I'm sure there's more to the story. Uh, there usually is about why a certain player isn't playing or what's happening behind the scenes. But, you know, it's definitely a question that's been asked and, I think it's going to – a question that's going to keep being asked and when you don't see a player of Perea's talent, you know, getting opportunities on the field. I mean, this is a guy who has been capped with the U.S. men's national team. You know, they spent some money to bring him in, and there was some pretty high expectations on him. And, you know, obviously long-term there's a thinking that, he, you know, he, he could be a guy to, to sort, of, sort of follow in Bedoya's footsteps. And it's just so far that hasn't really happened the way that you might have predicted. Yeah, I understand that. Um, what is it about LAFC that's basically the boogeyman for Andre Blake? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he he makes a really good save uh, initially on that free header. So it's not his fault. Uh, he did everything he could on that. Uh, but, you know, otherwise, I mean, he – you know, I think he, he did – it certainly wasn't his fault they lost again. So, I mean, I think that um, it's certainly a tough tough defeat for him. Uh, but, you know, in some ways I guess you're you're glad if it, they had to lose it wasn't going to be on penalties again because I'm not sure how anyone else – how much more Union fans can really take uh, in that situation, you know, um, losing on penalties for the MLS Cup and then – after Bale scores that equalizer and then Bale scores against the U.S. I mean, it was, you know, uh, just, you know, kind of a tough, 
tough run of uh, games there for, for Union fans, for sure. No, absolutely, and uh, I agree with you there. We don't want to see that again, but um, obviously John McCarthy, a Philadelphia native, a Eastern Pennsylvania native, he does it against you guys, only this time it's in a full it's, – it's, it's, it's both legs. I mean, do you have – are you happy for John for the, you know, the positive the, the stuff that's coming his way, or do you wish he was still back with the union? Oh, absolutely. I'm happy for John. It's hard not to be happy for the guy. I mean, he is – he wears his Philly pride on his sleeve, and he is, uh, you know – he continues to be a fan of the union when they're playing anybody but LAFC. So, you know, I think he's, it's hard to be upset about him uh, having success. I mean, obviously it's unfortunate the way that he got into that final and, you know, you know, Crepo, I guess is still maybe recovering from that injury a little bit, you know, and he's been, you know, getting a bulk of the stars and to see, cause you know, obviously he's not with the union. Because, of Andre Blake, and, um, you know, I think a lot of times it's described as though Andre Blake Blake took his starting job. I mean, it didn't quite happen that way. Um, they both were sort of playing games, and I think a few other people at the time that were, like, getting hurt and different keepers were playing at different times. But, you know, it was pretty apparent for McCarthy that if he was going to go somewhere and get minutes, regular minutes, uh, he was going to have to go somewhere else. And, similar situation with Matt Freeze, you know, having you know, to leave his hometown club as well to, 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 to find, try to find minutes. And so, you know, unfortunately the keepers, you can't, you can only play one and you generally, other than maybe some open cup games, you generally don't play your backup unless you have to. So, so yeah, it's, it's great to see McCarthy uh, getting this chance again. And, you know, I mean, MLS MVP unlikely for sure. Uh, now he's going to get to most likely he's going to get to play in a you know, two legs of a Champions League final, so it's, it's good for him. And I, I mean, I'm the biggest homer when it comes to this kind of stuff around. So you know, I I root for every player who's played for the Union to do well, and every player who's from mm-hmm. the area. So he 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 sort of checks both boxes, and he went to La Salle. So he's uh, he's every every bit as local as you, as you can get. Probably more local than anybody in the Union roster because not only is he from here, he went to Catholic high school, <laughs> played in the Catholic league and played at LaSalle. I mean, he, he really is as Philly as it gets for sure. With a little bit of Jersey. I uh, of course. Uh, he, he Jersey as well too. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, look, I wish Mike, Mc, uh, John McCarthy a lot of success as well. He's a great story, not just locally for you over there in Eastern Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, but, you know, in MLS as well. So hopefully we'll see what he does against uh, against Club Leon. And where does Jim Curtin go from here? I mean, obviously there's the Open Cup. There's still an MLS season. There's the, okay, I'll say it, the League's Cup. But, you know, when you talk to Jim Curtin at the moment, what do you think he's going to lament, you know, uh, after a run like this that unfortunately got halted in the semifinal round? Yeah, I mean, I think the, uh, you know, the story on Jim, um, you know, obviously well-liked, uh, very successful. Uh, you know, he's, you know, you know, he's another guy who's, you know, sort of local guy, <laughs> he, uh, you know, 
played all, you know, played, played, uh, played, had a similar pathway, I guess, in, uh, in that sense to John McCarthy and, you know, playing, playing high, high school soccer, uh, staying locally for college and making his way into, into MLS. So, um, I mean, I think the, the thing that's dogging, has dogged him is that, you know, he's a really good coach who gets, you know, gets his teams into good spots and, they haven't been able to pull it off. I mean, uh, three Open Cup finals, um, you know, MLS Cup finals. Um, you know, he gets a pass for the uh, the COVID uh, the COVID Cup <laughs> when um, a bunch of his players missed the uh, Eastern Conference final two years ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, those are the questions they're going to stay stay with him uh, until he wins that big game. I mean, yes, they won the Supporter Shield, but you know, as always. You know, Debbie Downer, I point out, like they were going to win it, whether they beat, beat, uh, won the game or not. So once Toronto lost, they officially became Supporters Shield champions before the 90 minute went. So, um, so technically they didn't win a game to, to win a trophy. So, uh, that's, that's what's eluding Jim. And I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not one of these people who thinks like you have to win a bunch of trophies, but, um, you know, it, it is a question about his career and his legacy as a coach in, in MLS is that, you know, is he able to win that game, um, that big game? Is he, um, even if it's an open cup, I mean, look, the, the schedule doesn't really line up uh, too well for them to uh, to really compete in the open cup. I mean, having to go to Minnesota is going to be tough, um, just like it was going to Orlando last year. But, um, you know, they're very much a contender. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's important for people who follow MLS to remember that you don't have to be the first place team to win MLS Cup. You just have to get into the playoffs, get on, go on a run. And, I mean, this is the type of team that could finish fifth or sixth place in the league and, and, and be lifting that trophy. And we know uh, last year was sort of an anomaly in league history that you had the one versus the two. Uh, that rarely ever happens. It's usually, you know, Seattle, like a Seattle that is terrible for the first third of the season and then can't be stopped, you know. So, um, you know, I think it's it, – he it definitely turned the page right now, and I think there's some questions and there should be questions about, um, you know, what this team needs to actually uh, be uh, to best last year's team. And I think the transfer window might – uh, you know, you might see some activity there to sort of fill, uh, you know, Corey Burke's shaped hole in the roster. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's important just to remember that, you know, this is a really good team. It's been they've been one of the the best and most consistent teams over the last several years in MLS, and they're, very, they're still very much a contender for MLS Cup. Have a good night, Matt. Thanks for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'll talk to you during the season. Thanks a lot again for coming on. Great. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. All right. That's Matt Ralph, Philadelphia Soccer Now, as the Philadelphia Union fall in the second leg semifinal. Um, of course, as I said, that's unfortunately the loser, now the winner. And a recorded interview from the heart of LAFC podcast. The one and only Marcelli Villa Nueva.
Daniel Feuerstein here, and welcome back to the 2023 CONCACAF Champions League Review Show, the second leg semifinals, and boy, what a big match this was, and this match gave LAFC their ticket to return to the finals of the CONCACAF Champions League. Joining me right now from the heart of LAFC, the one and only Araceli Villanueva, and Araceli... You finally saw LAFC, I think, having a monumental match that they were able to take advantage of, especially at home, and they really did, in my opinion. I think they had a very, very solid game plan in this second leg, and probably more goals should have been scored. Oh, I definitely agree with that sentiment. I think we both said it perfectly Last time that we spoke uh, following their match in Philadelphia, kind of analyzing their level of play there, now comparing it to that they took the battle back to L.A., and that's exactly what they did. They came out early, kept uh, kept pressing, and tried to get on the counterattack as much as they could, and ultimately got the result that they needed. It's, and, again, it's that magical 3-0. Um and of course, even our we even saw our goal scores in this match. So it, it just all around, it was just an amazing uh, time to watch. You know, um, we all know this is going to be a physical game, obviously. And I mean, uh, I mean, look, th- th- there's nothing you can say about it because Alejandro Bedoya should have been sent off. Uh, look, it's not because. It's New York versus Philly on my end of things, but the truth is that was a dangerous tackle. Studs challenge right into the ankle. Uh, he's lucky enough to stay in the game because I that should have been a red card right off the bat. I know the referee does not want to do that, but VAR is in play. VAR should have called him to tell him, look, that, that studs up. That, that studs into the ankle. That's a challenge. It should be changing the color of the card. But Bedoya um, is lucky that he remained in the match. Oh, I agree with you on that. Because when it does come to CCL, there's always going to be calls missed. There's always going to be uh, questionable reviews in terms of that right there. You know, it was a clear studs up. He should have been set off. But unfortunately, you know, he, he did get lucky in a sense. But I guess luck would still be on LAFC's side in the sense that around the 59th minute, Mbago was shown his second yellow and ultimately sent off, giving um, LAFC that one-man advantage. So, in a way, they still got the advantage, but it it could have easily been a two-man advantage. Mm, Very true, very true, and we'll see what happens uh, later on and when we get to the finals. But boy, oh boy. Uh, I wasn't expecting Timothy Tillman to be at the far post to put in that rebound shot. I really, really thought it would be Vela, maybe even Bawanga, somebody else. Nothing against Tillman at all. He's a very solid player. But for him to be ready and prepared for that rebound, to bury it, that was brilliant. Oh, it was perfect to watch because Tillman, he has been coming in his own given this amount of time that he's been with the club. Every match he's definitely grown as a player. Granted, there has been, I believe, I don't think he missed the last match. It's probably the game before. 
that he missed due to a potential injury. And, but even with that in mind, just to see him come back, get that strong goal, uh, just bury it into the back of the net to give the lead, it was just, oh, my goodness. I, I do expect a lot more now but, uh, as it's been progressive. No, very true, and everything was looking really good for LAFC. You had the away goal in the first leg, and Philly uh, leading on aggregate 2-1. Things were looking good, solid match throughout uh, the second leg, and uh, were there times where you thought Philly just didn't look dangerous enough to you, or you were just thinking you're just hoping LAFC doesn't make a mistake and allows Philadelphia back into the match? There were times where you kind of had to sit there and question what was uh, Jim's plan going into this match because there was definitely some unusual plays that you would not normally see from him uh, in terms of the counterattack. And it it just kind of made – I don't know if it made LESC seem like a stronger team, but regardless, at the end of the day, LESC was out. They got the job done. There were moments – where Carlos Vela looked like he could have added to the total. I think there was two solid chances. I, I could be wrong. But beyond that, um, Tillman got the first goal. And then towards the end of the game, Mahala gets the goal at the 82nd minute, followed with Bawanga. So it was kind of a typical LFC match in those terms. But again, with Philadelphia, they you wanted to expect more strength from them, considering players like Bedoya are out on the field. But again, there there was some questionable plays that just kind of made you wonder. But ultimately, LEFC took the win. And uh, for Philadelphia, they do uh, go down to 10 men. Olivier Mbizo got booked early in the 41st minute, and then, of course, the second yellow in the 59th which became a red, and it's really LAFC game, set, and match because they were just completely unstoppable. Waves of attack just kept on going and going, and finally Apoku Quadwo gets that second goal to make it 2-0 on the night, 3-1 on aggregate, and basically all LAFC had to do was put the foot on the gas and just cruise in there. Practically because, uh, as I mentioned earlier, once uh, – I know everyone says a Pope because that is his name. I'm just so used to saying Mahala, so my apologies with that. But <laughs> after he got that second goal, it just – Elias, he just drove it home. Mm-hmm. Very true. But I will say this, and I really think – I mean, you know more about this club than I do, obviously, but – what a tournament so far it's been for Danny, uh, excuse me, for Dennis uh, Bowanga. Um, gets the final goal of the match, but it's not just so much he got the final goal. That's his sixth CONCACAF Champions League goal in this tournament as a whole. Hat-trick at Aluenza, two goals in Vancouver, now a goal here at home against Philadelphia. Um, to me, it feels like this is his coming out party being involved with LAFC, I could be wrong, but, you know, seeing what I've seen from him, he's been an incredible addition for LAFC here in MLS. Oh, there is no doubt that he's been absolutely incredible. 
in all competitions, not just the CCL, but given um, that he does have a familiarity with the team coming in during the summer transfer window last year, it, I think that also builds into his confidence that he is aware of the team, he's aware of the team dynamic, and now with uh, uh, Arongo leaving, it, it more or less opened that door for him. So now he has just been absolutely perfect. Of, of course, you know, there are places where he can develop more because he is a great goal scorer. There is absolutely no doubt of that. But when it comes to build, to building the momentum and the setting up goal, it's where he does kind of falter a little, but I'm sure he can get it, you know, as the season goes on. No, very true. And uh, obviously when one door closes, another one opens in Bowanga. I wouldn't say he opened the door. I think he just basically uh, kicked it down and he said, here I am. Take my spot, I dare you. <laughs> no, that is very true. He definitely uh, just came out swinging, scoring goals. And so hopefully we continue to see this from him. No, I hope so, too, and we'll see what happens in these finals coming up, which will be, of course, end of the month and into the beginning of June. Before we even get to that, obviously, I have a funny feeling that you guys, or at least LAFC fans, wanted to play Tigris in the final because he wanted some revenge back in 2020 when that Champions League got suspended and it was all one and done down in Orlando at Explorer Stadium and had a 1-0 lead against Tigris in the final but then lost it 2-1, 3-1. Does it matter if it's Club Leon and not Tigris? Are you just happy to be in the final? Or you're happy to be in the final, but you wanted that little measure of revenge? I think going into the final, there's definitely multiple ways you can look at this. In terms of Tigris, yes, there was a craving to have them again, it, just to have a revenge in a sense. But now that they will, LFC will be facing Club Leon, now the head changes from revenge to um an almost not a repeat of 2020, but given that this is Club Leon's first appearance in the CCL final, it just builds the momentum for it. No, I agree with you there, and we'll see what happens when we get down to the uh, to these two legs in the final. And uh, once again, what a job! You have to say it. You know, what a job Torundolo has done. Uh, you know, look, mild-mannered when he's, you know, not managing, obviously. But, you know, even he looks a little bit mild-mannered, you know, in his technical area. But, boy, he must be really fierce in that locker room. And he must be fierce talking to his players uh, whenever uh, there's a match on. Because that competitor uh, feeling that's inside of him. I, it's really showing that he's really gotten them into this level of attack and this level of confidence that I think has never been lost, but maybe it's been amped up a lot more. I would agree with that because I, I know I've said multiple, multiple times concerning Sharondola's signing, there was a, a sense 
skepticism in the very beginning. But now that we've watched him take the team, get the MLS Cup, win the MLS Cup, and now he's continued to take this team all the way to the CCL final, it, it just kind of goes to show, you know, not only his coaching ability, but his connection with the team and his ability to adapt to certain situations. Uh, I mean, in terms of his, you know, any facial expressions from him, he is very good at keeping that kind of hidden during the matches, although that is a little of a contradiction considering we saw how animated he got in Philadelphia, but I think that was just a lot of pressure, you know, build up. Now that he kind of released it, he's like back to normal in a way. Um <laughs> Oh, of course, if you want to see any manager show some type of expression so you can get an idea of what they're feeling. But, I mean, regardless, at the end of the day, it, even if he's smiling on the sidelines or keeping a very stoic face, it, it's just clear and obvious with the results that he's very talented at what he does. No, that's very true, and I agree with that. I think he's been very good with what he's done so far within, I would say, a year and a quarter right now i mean after what he's done last year was amazing and what he's doing right now is pretty damn good and uh there's nothing wrong here i think um lefc has a very good successor from bob bradley of course is currently with toronto fc at the moment but still though um a solid successor after the bob bradley era began with the existence of lafc several years ago um Happy that the second leg will be at home at BMO Stadium? Oh, definitely very excited to see that the second leg will be uh, back in Los Angeles. Now, however, I do have to admit there is a little worry right now because when you compare both schedules to LEFC's regular MLS schedule, the first leg is scheduled for May 31st in uh, Leon, but at the same time, LEFC is scheduled to play St. Louis on that same day, similar to the second leg. I believe the second leg is scheduled for June 4th, whereas LEFC is to host Atlanta June 3rd. So there is some curiosity in, in terms of that. Will MLS change the scheduling again as they did for Philadelphia moving the Houston match to a later date, or, which, I mean, I, I doubt happening, is there a chance that even the CCL would consider changing dates? No, I, I think MLS is going to be changing those dates. I mean, they, they are going to be um, making sure that uh, LAFC will be available for both legs because right now CONCACAF is a higher priority for LAFC than what MLS is currently. But other than that, Araceli, thank you for joining me tonight. I'm very happy that you were able to come on the show, and I will talk to you during the finals review shows, and good luck with the rest of the way. It sounds great. Thank you for having me again. Once again, that's Araceli Villanueva from the Heart of LAFC podcast. LAFC advancing to the finals of the 2023 CONCACAF Champions League. Joining me right now, Eugene Rapinski, FMF State of Mind of SB Nation. And Eugene, um, I, I'm going to have to send an, an apology card 
<laughs> to Club Leon. I am shocked. I am bewildered. I am incomplete that I saw what I saw in that second leg at Estadio Leon. My God. Nicholas Lacamon, my hat is tipped to you, sir. You have slayed the mighty Tigris. And he <laughs> and Club Leon are in the Champions League final. Uh, what, what did you think about this? I think they were listening to you and said that uh, we're going to show this guy uh, what we're made of. <laughs> so... No, I, I was um, I, I kind of like everybody else. I thought that, that this was going to be something that Tigres was just going to kind of, uh, you know, maybe not walk away with, but that they would win and it just would kind of be no big deal. And uh, no, uh, Leon, Leon shut up the play and uh, Tigres, uh, they kind of they shot themselves in the foot and uh, had some, some unfortunate things kind of happen. And uh, that's it. They're they're done. Uh, Tigres, who has been really looking to get back to the Club World Cup, and uh, you know, I think they they thought that they got so close last time they they wanted to you know kind of redeem themselves uh, this go around. Uh, they're out. Uh, they they couldn't get past uh, couldn't get past Leon. So uh, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. Two goals in a span of five minutes. Fidel Ambriz, that was a hell of a strike to make it 1-0 in the match and 2-1 on ag- and 2-2 on aggregate, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, no, he uh he's a he's a special player. I, I've enjoyed watching him come through the ranks. It's always difficult being um the the, the son or the child of a of a well known coach. Uh, his father coached Leon for a long time and it, it's real easy to go. Uh, you know, we see why he's there. He didn't really make it on merit, but this this kid's good. He is there for a reason. So, um, yeah, between that and then the goal five minutes later with Angel Mena, uh, you could tell Tigres was in trouble, but I think the turning point was really when Fernando Gorriarán went down for, for Tigres. Uh, he brings so much to that squad. He covers so much ground in the midfield. He's just a creative engine for them. And not having him there, having him come off injured uh, when that happened, that for me, that was the real uh-oh moment. You know, it, it was it was kind of bad when they were down. It's like, ah, you know, they'll, they'll probably come back. It was a slow start. Uh, when when uh, Gordy went down, though, that was, that was for me the real uh-oh. Yeah, no, I understand. And you don't like to see injuries impact uh, a big-time second-leg semifinal like what we saw – in that one, and then of course, Raimundo Fulgencio. Gencio, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, I, I thought he put Tigres back in this one with an away goal. Away goals are even. It felt like penalties were going to be coming after that one, but uh, my God, eleven minutes <laughs> later, Frias gets that huge freaking goal to take the advantage on aggregate to win this, not just to win the second leg 3-1, but to take the aggregate at home 4-3 was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And now Club Leon is in the finals. What a transformation. I mean, you know, look, I admit, I am not a 
big follower, nor do I cover Liga MX like you do, like other people I know, John Jagu, who I know very well. You know, I, re- I respect your thoughts on this, on his thoughts on this, and whoever, you know, covers Liga MX. But, you know, at least I'm aware that Club Leon has not been successful in this tournament, and now they've got two matches to go to maybe <laughs> dethrone L- or, or upset LAFC to win the championship. Yeah, no, I think uh, hats off to them. I think, you know, Leon, they've never been a bad club, but this, this tournament has always just seemed to uh, – to, to get them, uh, for, for, for lack of a better phrase. It always seems that they, they kind of trip over themselves at some point, and this time it looks like they might actually do it. Um, you know, I, I definitely don't want to put anything past LAFC. Uh, I mean, they're a good squad uh, for sure. But, uh, you know, if Leon plays like they did against Tigres, uh, you know, that's, 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 uh, that's, that's going to be a hard team to beat. No, very true. But but still though, still though, I, I have to ask you this. I really do have to ask you this, and mm-hmm. that is this. I don't want to put the cart in front of the horse, but the way that La Camon has been managing Club Leon, mm-hmm. where at this point in time, if it's early, I understand, but in your mind. The current great managers in Mexican club soccer. At this point in time, where would you rate him? Or if you don't want to put him there yet, I understand. But if you want to, if you do feel like you want to, where do you put him at right now? Uh, Are we talking all time or are we talking like right now? I think he's definitely one of the I would say right now. I, right I would now. say right now. I don't want to go, I, I don't want to go all time because I think that's a stretch, but I want to go with right now. Yeah. Yeah. So for right now, I, I think he's definitely one of the better managers in the league. Um, you know, he, he doesn't have the kind of bombastic personality that uh, Piojo Herrera or Duca Peretti or somebody like that has. So he may not catch the attention of the the press. Uh, you know, he's not going to be the guy that's uh, getting red carded like uh, Guillermo Almada. Uh, you know, he just, he has this kind of like workmanlike uh, quality about him where he, he just kind of goes. And I mean, it's not to say he doesn't get animated or he doesn't, uh, he's not good for a good soundbite here and there, but that's not like his thing. His thing is more just kind of putting his head down and getting his team uh, prepared to work. And uh, I, it's really kind of refreshing to see somebody like that succeed. Uh, you know, so I definitely think he is one of the better coaches in the league, even if he does kind of fly under the radar a little bit. I mean, look, sometimes it's even perfect he's not bombastic enough, and I think that that should be a, a positive and not a negative, so I'll go along with you on that. But in your mind, if you want to compare him to, I would say, maybe any of the managers in, in Major League Soccer, who would you compare him to in MLS? Ooh. Um, man, that's, that's tough. That's tough because uh, – and i gotta, I got to admit my own uh, – kind of ignorance here. I don't, I'm not, not as up on MLS coaches as I used to be. Um, I would say that Marco Mon has come in over the past couple of years. He's kind of a newer face, uh, has come in with some really good ideas and really uh, 
put the league on notice and um, has has kind of done so without necessarily a giant transfer budget. Like he didn't get, you know, he went to Puebla. He didn't go to America. He went to he went to Puebla, uh, you know, and, and did well there. And now he's at um, Leon, another team that's not going to go out and blow through, you know, hundreds of millions of pesos for for a team. Uh, you know, so he has that kind of like. Uh, aspect to him where it's more about putting together a comprehensive team, um, getting the most out of that team. Uh, you know, I would say he, he reminds me a lot of Jim Curtin in that aspect of being able to take what you have and make some smart signings and get the most out of it. But obviously Jim's been in the league a lot longer than Marco Mon has been in Mexico. Um, you know, so whoever like I don't know, a hot coach that's come in over the past couple of years and really um, put the league on notice in MLS that there is such a such a guy. Mm-hmm. No, well, I mean, I was going to wait for you to say Jim because I think uh, Jim and uh, – it sounds like to me Jim and uh, – <clears throat> excuse me – and uh, Larcamon, to me, it sounds like they're both – similar so i was going to go along with jim Curtin with you so that's fine by me i don't yeah. care but uh yeah yeah no there's there's a lot of similar there's a lot of similarities to them i i think the, the big difference um with them like i said was just that you know jim's been uh he's been there a long time he's uh he's part of the scenery here in philly and uh lark Camone has only come in to lay on over the past uh past year maybe year and a half or so i forget exactly but um, but that's, that's really the only difference. I think there's a lot of, uh, similarities, uh, there. And I, that's, that's a, that's a good thing. Like I'm, that's, uh, it's, it's a positive for, for both of them. No, it really is. It really, really is. And, uh, boy, I'm, I'm still shell shocked over this result. I really am because like, you know, I, I mean, I don't know how is club Leon looked at in Mexican soccer. I mean, what, what are they looked at as like, you know, the little, the little brother, you know, mid table team. I mean, unless they win this championship, I mean, to me, I don't know if they've ever been the big dogs in the past or not that you would know probably more than I would. So where do people in Mexico rate club Leon? Oh man, that's a, that's a tough question. I would put them something Trying to trying to pull together an MLS uh, like reference, who would they be like in MLS? Um, maybe somebody like maybe something like no, not not like DC. I was thinking maybe like Colorado or or some like San Jose, something something like that. Who had a couple of good seasons a while ago, has had some really bad seasons, um, but uh, you know always have had that kind of if they can get somebody in who's competent and get things to go right for a couple of seasons could really, uh, really explode into something kind of wonderful, you know? So Leon's thing is they, they, there for a while, they were kind of going between the first division and the second division. They spent like a decade in the second division. Uh, they came back up uh, and then not long after they came up, they won like back-to-back champions. Uh, championships in Mexico, which is like kind of unheard of. It was like one of the first times that had happened uh, since they broke up the season into the Apertura and uh, Clausura. Uh, after they did that, they kind of fell off again. We're kind of mid-table uh, to, to almost kind of bad. Uh, but 
than they did get another championship uh, recently or, or came close, I think, with uh, Nacho Ambriz, uh, Fidel Ambriz's father, who I was mentioning earlier. And now with Vacamon, they really have put everything together and, you know, obviously are doing super well in Champions League and are headed back to the, the, the playoff. They, they made the repechaje, which is kind of a, like a wild card uh, game uh, here in the playoffs in Mexico, and that starts, uh, starts this weekend. Oh, that's great, and uh, it should be a fun one. Can't wait to see what's going to happen. Um, I guess my final thought here is this, is that what are we expecting now with Club Leon? I mean, are they going d- – does he adjust his tactics with what LAFC has done? I know, like you said, you haven't been paying too much attention to MLS um, for the last couple of years. But still, though, I, do, do you feel that they're going to provide a very big challenge for LAFC? I mean, they do have Carlos Vela on LAFC, and, I mean, you know, he's a warrior out there. You know this. I know this. Everyone knows this. This is going to be a big battle oh, yeah. because many oh, yeah. people were thinking uh, LAFC is going to get revenge on Tigris in the finals. Not so now. Now uh, it's Club Leon. Is that a disadvantage, do you think, for LAFC? Um, I think so. Just for for that um, for that aspect, I think. Yeah, I think that the revenge factor, wanting to get back at them, would have been that extra bump. Um, you know, I don't know now that they really kind of know what to expect from Leon. They've, they've you know they've not really played Leon. Um, or wait a minute, no, I take it back. They played them a couple of years ago. In, in CCL, I think it was, or League's Cup or one of those tournaments. Um, so there is some familiarity there, but I, I definitely think Tigres would have been the one that they kind of got themselves up for more. Um, I think Leon, so strictly for that kind of motivation, that might be a little bit more of a challenge. I think Tigres was a better team than Leon um, overall, Uh but I think Leon kind of outplayed Tigres and, uh, you know, some things like we talked about kind of didn't, didn't really happen for Tigres. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a little bit of a challenge for LAFC to figure out Leon. Um, you know, if you're asking me for a prediction, I don't know. Like, it's not like it was years ago where I'm like, I don't know who's who's coming from League MX. That's going to be the winner. Um, you know, it's not as cut and dried as it used to be, um, and it really hasn't been for for the past couple of years. But this one's really going to be close. I think. I think Leon probably will still come out on top, uh, but it's not going to be easy. I don't think, especially having that uh, that first leg in Leon, and then MLS doing everything that they can to aid and abet uh, LAFC getting time off and. Uh, being able to do all that kind of stuff. So, I agree, but it should be a hell of a final to uh, legs once again, and then we get ready for a brand new edition of the CONCACAF Champions League next year. Eugene, thank you as always. Can't wait to talk to you during the final. Have a good night, and take care, my friend. Thank you. Do the same. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Eugene Rapinski, FMF State of Mind of SB Nation. And, ladies and gentlemen, the schedule for 
the 2023 CONCACAF Champions League final. It is a two-leg affair once again on Wednesday night, May 31st at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific. It will be at Estadio Leon for the first leg. And then on Sunday, June the 4th, it will be at BMO Stadium, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, at the home of LAFC. Both matches will be seen live on English on Fox Sports 1, while Spanish language will be on TUDN. I want to thank my guests tonight, Matt Ralph of Philadelphia Soccer Now, Araceli Villanueva for the recorded interview from the Heart of LAFC podcast, and Eugene Rapinski from FMF State of Mind. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Join me this coming Monday night for another regular Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. As always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care so long, and bye-bye for now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.